You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode nine of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and of course, non league papers journalist Tom Hiscott. Tom, we're back in the pub, we're back in the Ram in the heart of Bath for our, um, for our special here. Well, it's good to see you. I'm very happy to see you too, and I'm happy to be here in, in half term. It's fitting well. Good, good. Well, we've been a bit worried about you, Tom, because for the last few episodes of the podcast, when, when we listen back, it sounds from the audio that you're sat in the bath talking to us, so I thought I'd better, I'd better get you out and see you face to face. Yeah, I'm out the box, so to speak, and here we are. Um, hopefully this one comes across better. Yep, well, I'm absolutely sure it will. We're, um, we're still working on, that, um, we're working on that audio quality, but um, uh, great to hear you. And we've got probably one of the most exciting um, Toolstation Westerly podcasts we've done. Not only have we got an interview with um, Mark Breffitt, the Warminster manager. They had a thumping win, um, the standout uh, win in the uh, in the first division. But we've also uh, we'll also be talking to uh, Darren Perrin, the Melksham town manager, uh, who uh, Melksham, of course, had their own fantastic win in the Premier Division. We couldn't keep the listeners waiting any longer. Darren's name is probably the one name that comes up more often than any other when I speak to anybody involved in the uh, the Western League about when are we going to get him on. Well. They, they won 6-0 at the weekend, so we couldn't really wait. Um, we couldn't wait any longer. Still another massive crowd. And also, we get to speak to Darren Perrin at the Oakfield Stadium, where he gives us a special audio tour. So we'll, uh, we'll be able to walk around that facility, that incredible facility. Um, and you'll be able to listen to that. Not quite as good as going to visit it, but um, you'll still have the opportunity to do that before the end of the season, I'm sure. I know many people from the Western League have done that. But anyway, to business, um, our normal business, of course. And um, we start, Tom, by uh, having a look at the uh, uh, results from Saturday the 11th of February. And it, we, we start in the Premier League with um, High Flying Street away to Bitten. Yeah, and High Flying Street, one of the many teams towards the top of the table who managed to win last weekend. Um, 2-1 away at bit, not the easiest of, uh, of games at this time of the season, but they've come away with the win, which is the most important thing. Uh, goals from Ross McCurlane and Lewis Waldy helping them uh, to a 2-1 win. Perennial winners that are Bristol Manor Farm at home and uh, well I don't think there's any I don't, I don't think that we, there's no there's no dramatic build up for this result is there? Unfortunately not they've another 3-0 win uh, maintaining their 8 point lead at the top uh, teams below them they keep piling on the pressure but Bristol Manor Farm aren't wilting and a pretty comfortable afternoon for them uh, they had the, the game wrapped up by half time really three goals in the first half from Ben Bamman uh, Dean Stamp and Troy Simpson and they uh, they continue on the merry way that's their 23rd league win of the campaign to Chipping Sudbury Town where they had the second highest uh, crowd in the entire league uh, only Melksham had more people at the Oakfield so second highest crowd at Chipping Sudbury but uh, the home supporters would not have been going home particularly happy um, after the visit of Bradford Town no, it all started going wrong quite early on when uh, Adama Missiato was sent off for the home side. And from that moment on, uh, Bradford kind of ran away of it with uh, Kareem Rendell scoring twice once more like he did last Saturday. And uh, further goals after the break from uh, Kane Simpson, Ricky Scott and Lauren Davis-Wilson helping them to a 5-0 win. Last week's um, interview uh, subject, Danny, Danny Greaves, would have been happy with that performance, no doubt. And uh, even more so if he actually wasn't playing in goal on that occasion. Uh, now then, moving on to Hallen. We, we had thought that there might have been something of a resurgence um, um, for Hallen, but um, uh, not so against Buckland Athletic. Hallen started well. They actually took the lead through Danny Webb early on. Uh, but Buckland, who another one of these teams that just seem to win every week, uh, they kept that going. And they were on level terms just seven minutes after the opener through Liam Drew. And then after the break, they scored twice uh, through... Uh, Jared Lewington and Simon Lawton to, to claim the 3-1 win and they, they maintain their, place in, uh, their third place in the table. Yeah, good preparation as well going in um, to that um, FA Vars sixth round game against Bromsgrove Sporting. Of course, ahead of the last tie uh, when Buckland um, won in the fifth round, we did speak to Ellis Late, the manager. We will be doing so again in another FA Vars special. That will be coming to you later in the week. But um, for now, Buckland with a, with a routine victory going into that. We wish them luck when they take on Bromsgrove Sporting on Sunday. Now then, to Longwell Green Sports and... Uh, a slight mystery fixture for us. Indeed. Uh, a 2-0 win for Longwell Green Sports, which is at Shellards Road, which has really helped their uh, relegation fears. They've moved uh, six points clear of 19th place Sherbourne. Unfortunately, 
no account of the, who the goal scorers were uh, during Saturday's fixture. Uh, can't find anything on, on, on the internet anywhere. Uh, if people would like to let us know, I'm available at, at Tom Hiscott, which is at Hiscott, H-I-S-C-O-T-T, on Twitter. And I believe, Ian, you're also uh, available on social media. Yes, yeah, certainly am. Um, you can find me on Twitter as well. That's at Ian Knockholds, I-A-N-N-O-C-K-O-L-D-S. And uh, if any of the clubs um, in the Tool Station Western League want to get in touch with us, not just to give us information about the game, but also if you'd like us to do a, uh, a feature on your club, on your manager, on your aspirations for the season, we'd certainly be very pleased to hear from you. And we have had some success in the last few weeks since we've been doing the podcast um, by linking some of the clubs to their local uh, newspaper and community radio stations. And if that helps bring a few volunteers and a few supporters through the turnstiles then uh, we'd certainly like to use your podcast to uh, to help you achieve that now certainly aside what we know an awful lot about is the next one up it's Melksham Town at home to Clevedon Town and their form at the Oakfields continued in in quite impressive fashion uh, they demolished 10-man Clevedon 6-0 in front of another impressive crowd as you mentioned earlier uh, another team, Clevedon, who had a man sent off early, uh, Glenn Hayer, was given his marching orders and Melksham took advantage almost straight away with Mike Perrett heading home uh, a Ben Thompson corner. It was then over to Gary Higdon, who scored twice during the week to uh, to make it 2-0 in the sixth minute of added on time in the first half. And uh, Melksham ran away of it after the break, Sam Jordan scoring twice, uh, Higdon scoring once more. And there was also a further goal from uh, Joe Straddling in a, in a comfortable comfortable win for them. So now, of course, I was lucky enough to catch up with Darren Perrin to uh, to look at the club's uh, fortune, doing well, of course, in the league. Um, got a beautiful new stadium. We'll be coming to that slightly later in the interview. But I start off by asking him about probably the big news of last week in the Tool Station Western League, which was not that uh, Melksham had achieved another win, but actually that the pressure had slightly eased on league leaders Bristol Manor Farm when Melksham could only manage a three-all draw away at Wells. Our defending at Wells was well, it was a debacle. It, to be three 0 up after half an hour and to draw the game um, was embarrassing, really, and very, very disappointing. Um, mainly because obviously the other three sides at the top with us have been in magnificent form as well, and I know it's still a long way to go. We cannot, same as other teams, cannot afford to drop silly points when you should be winning games and that's not being disrespectful to Wales because in the end they deserved their point but uh, it was certainly two points dropped for us Well you uh, managed to pick the boys up nicely for Saturday uh, and it was um, a convincing win against a team that of course have been recently uh, in the Southern League Yeah it was um, I was hurting from Tuesday but luckily so were the players and unfortunately for Clevedon they got a little bit of a backlash albeit one or two decisions probably went our way early doors I was as very pleased almost for the clean sheet than I was the actual result it was because like I said our defending at Wells on the Tuesday was well it was Sunday league football at best um, but it was great to re- respond and now obviously we hope to take that forward against Shep the Mallet this Saturday you had another fantastic crowd here for um, for the Clevedon game. You've been in really good form, a high-scoring form in the games um, that you've had at your your new home. I was slightly concerned that um, you might have a have a touch of nerves playing in this new facility away from the Conagher, but it doesn't seem to have happened, has it? Well, it did for the first half an hour against Bristol Manor Farm uh, in the FA Vaz, but uh, no, we've we've settled in there very well that I think there was a concern I know we're talking chalk and cheese here but there was a little bit of a concern that it could be a little bit of a West Ham effect coming to a new facility and it is the best in the league by a considerable way and that's again not being disrespectful to anybody Um, we felt that a lot of sides would lift their game but if anything it's possibly helped us and it's lifted our game a little bit Uh, and long may that continue especially as we've got 12 games left of which 10 of them are at home so the fixture gods have um, smiled on you and I know that that's for, for Melksham fans that's that home run in um, fills them with optimism about um, your chan- your title chances this season 
well, with blips like Wells and with the good form of team, the teams above you, Buckland Street and Bristol Manor Farm, where do you set your sights? Uh, where do you think Melksham can finish this season? I think we'll finish, or I hope to finish, certainly in the top four at the start of the season. That well, last season we finished fifth, uh, and the aim is always to try to better the previous season. So our aim is to finish in the top four. Any other season probably would be top um, but you've got to give great credit to Bristol Manor Farm uh, to Lee and his players to Rich Fay and his players and obviously to Ellis and his players it's, um, it, it's just relentless at the moment I think every, probably all the sides are looking at 10 to 5 5 to 5 after winning to see how the other sides are getting on and win 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 so all we can do and all I've said to the players is We've got to look after ourselves, get our own house in order, which we've done predominantly most of the season with the odd blip here and there, um, and let it take care of itself. And I think there's no better than this coming Saturday. We've got to make sure we beat Shep the Mallet because obviously Street would play Bristol Manor Farm. Somebody is dropping points there. So it's important that we capitalise and also with Buckland being in the FA Vaz um, it gives us an opportunity to make some ground up on a couple of sides above us. On that matter I know that I speak, I'm sure it's not on just behalf of Melksham Town Football Club but everyone from the Western League in wishing Buckland all the very best um, on Sunday in their quarter final the FA Vaz and everyone at Melksham certainly hopes they get to the final. Well, I'm glad you brought up the subject of Buckland because obviously Buckland's impressive run in the Vars. Um, Bristol Manor Farm, of course, um, did well, have done it well in the competition as well. And you could have played Bromsgrove had you beaten Manor Farm um, at the first game at this stadium. Do you think that this is something of a uh, an Indian summer for Western League football? You've been in, you've been involved in uh, the Western League for, for for a long time, and I know you've been involved in this football club I mean, in one way or another for a very long time. But have you ever known the league to be as strong as is it, is it at the top of the Premier Division at the moment? Well, at the top of the Premier Division is it's ridiculous at the moment, and it's and it's a real credit to the league how well obviously all four sides have done. But then you also look at clubs like Bradford's, Willand, Odd Down, um, and a lot of others. There's no gimmies in this league. There's been one or two strange results or too many goals in certain games certainly earlier in the season but now I think sides have got stronger all the way around and it is credit to the Western League and my my big gripe and I've got to say my big gripe out of all of this is that at this present moment there is only one place for promotion and to me that's ridiculous is whether two sides should be promoted or even a playoff uh, format of second place, fifth, third place, fourth, whatever. But for a league that is as well established as the Western League, uh, to go into the Southern League, there should be two promotion places. And um, when you think that certainly for the last seven, eight years that I can remember, and if I'm wrong, I stand to be corrected, not one club from the Southern League has been relegated into the Western League. I think there's only been one club that's come down from the Southern League into the Western League, which was Clevedon. Um, that can't be right. That can't be right. And it would be interesting to see that if Bridgewater do finish bottom of the league, what happens then? Um, this coming Saturday, you've got Shepton Mallet. I, I can't help but feel over the years, of course, Shepton have been a side that have um, that have had a, a lot of very high-profile players, including, of course, Steve Phillips, the um, um, the Bath City goalkeeper. Um, but um, there'll be no pushovers, will they? Well, their table position belies their uh, ability. Well, they've, we've only lost two games all season in the league, and one was at Shepton. Um, and they beat us convincingly on the day uh, which I certainly haven't forgotten and I know that our players certainly haven't forgotten Shepton Mallet's a, a very well run football club and they've got some very good players at the football club people like Craig Loxon the player manager Ben Lacey who I knew from Poulton uh, the lad Pollard um, so I'm surprised they're not further up the league. I know they've had um, the unfortunate of changing their manager during the season and haven't really replaced uh, Rob Cousins. Um, but Shepton are a good football club and on their day they're more than a match for anyone and we're under no illusions whatsoever that it would be a, a tough game for us Saturday. 
Well, another tough game you've got coming up. You've got a trip um, shortly to uh, local Wiltshire rivals, Warminster, in the Les Phillips Cup. I know Warminster have, have, have picked up their form uh, in the first division of late. It's not going to be an easy game for you, is it? Oh, very much. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, we know uh, it's a game that we expect to win, and I think most people expect us to win. But no, we know it'd be tough. There's obviously a lot of family rivalry in the game as well, with Kieran Baggs, my assistant manager, uh, coming up against his brother Ryan, who plays for Warminster. But again, Warminster get good support. Known a lot of people at Warminster over the years, the Paul Newmans, etc. Derek Graham used to come from Warminster. Again, another very well run football club, and uh, we certainly won't be treating them with uh, um, lightly. Uh, the only problem is that two days after that game, uh, we are due to play Bristol Manor Farm at home on the Monday. So I certainly will be looking to rotate my squad on the Saturday, but it's a competition that we'd like to get to the final of. Realistically speaking, I mean, that, that um, game against Bristol Manor Farm is a bit of a table-topping six-pointer, uh, and it does give you an interesting headache as a manager. We, we talk in the professional game about whether cup competitions are sacrificed by uh, the top clubs or clubs seeking promotion, but actually, even at the grassroots level, that's a real conundrum for you, isn't it? Because, of course, if you can't finish top of the table, then certainly you'd like to lift a trophy this season, particularly with it being the first season when you're in your, in your new home. That's going to give you a real headache, isn't it? Well, it is, but... I will put out a side that I feel is good enough to beat Warminster. Whether we do that or not obviously remains to be seen. Uh, it is a big game against Bristol Manor Farm, but it's only a big game against Bristol Manor Farm if we if we win the games before Bristol Manor Farm. Um, otherwise, it's just another Western League fixture. So it's important we don't take our eye off the ball as as you speak. We take I know it's a cliche and it's boring. We take each game as it comes. Um, Last season we were extremely disappointed to lose at home to Engrove in the semi-final the Les Phillips. The club's never got to the final of the Les Phillips Cup uh, and it's something that we certainly want to do this year and we certainly won't be um, making wholesale changes um, because we do want to get to the cup final and, and if we did get to the cup final then I'm sure we would uh, be very well supported at the final. We've talked about your targets um, for this season, uh, for this season's finish. Um, but realistically speaking, we're sat here at Oakfields. This is a ground that um, I mean, I've had the pleasure of visiting over thirty grounds in the in the Southern League and, and above. And I, I don't remember visiting a, a facility like this one, Darren. You've been to a many many more grounds than I have in your managerial career. So, um, but you've managed at a high level, of course. Is that ultimately where this facility and where this football club have their ambitions to play in the? Southern League and beyond? Very much so, very much so. The facility is it's unreal. For this level of football, it's unreal. Um, we were extremely disappointed a couple of seasons ago uh, to have won the league and be denied promotion, as we still felt that the Conagher, compared to some of the clubs that are already in the Southern League, um, we felt that our ground was adequate, if not as better than some of them but the facility that we got here now um, takes us up to Southern Prem football and we've got we've got the uh, chance to expand even further for people who haven't been here with more seating and terracing around the grounds it's quite unique that it's a two-story building and that we can obviously get um, people watching the game out on the terrace even in the club and everything else so the facility at this football club is second to none. I've, I've managed at Chippenham and Poulton and Froome and, and I had great times there, but this ground leaves all three of them uh, in its wake. I uh, couldn't help but notice when I drove up here today that there are signs out now advertising the, the name of the stadium, the, um, the involvement of Wiltshire Council and uh, the, also the, the stadium, the facilities fund, um, all, of, all of which put, put money into this. Obviously, part of the reason for the move away from the Conagher was the plans to redevelop that site. So how did you manage to not only get a, a new ground for the club, but, but, but to organise facilities that would allow the club to have genuine ambitions for promotion? Dave Wiltshire took over as chairman around six, seven years ago and has been very, very instrumental with the committee um, in trying to find us a new ground. I think it, 
it was beyond even his expectations that we would get a facility like this. Uh, the council wanted to build a campus in the middle of Melsham and obviously where the football club and the rugby club were situated, it was the ideal spot. Um, we've had magnificent backing from the Wiltshire Council and from the Football Foundation uh, in supporting us as a football club and the work of our committee and Dave Wiltshire in particular has is, is now got us to where it's been. It's been very frustrating. It's been very stressful at times, uh, and I also got to thank the Western League and the participating clubs because they must have thought at times our last ever game at the Conagher, our last ever game at the Conagher, our last ever game at the Conagher. And of all the clubs that we've been to, they've been very understanding. The league have been absolutely first class. John Paul and his board of directors. And, and now we've got what we've got. And it's now important that we obviously take this forward as a football club it's got to run as a business on and off the off the pitch the support that we've had from local uh, companies in Melksham is you've only got to look around the ground to see the amount of uh, advertising boards that we've got the support we've had has been superb and we've now got to uh, look to kick on and it's my job and the players job and the committee job to try to make that happen Darren, thank you very much for your time. One more thing we are going to do, and that is have a look around this incredible facility, and hopefully you're going to talk us through the different parts of the stadium. So uh, if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's go. So we've just come through the entrance uh, into the uh, into the Oakfields ground, and I'm now standing at the players' entrance, which is next to the toilet facilities and the uh, and the tea hut. So I'm with Darren, and we're about to enter the building. Darren, um, take it away. Well, we're just coming into the players' entrance now where it's all under floor heating. The first door on the right is the manager's office uh, where the players come in and see me for whatever reason. The next door on the left is the laundry where we do all our own in-house uh, washing. And then we come to the first of... We've got six full-size dressing rooms. Uh, we've got the away dressing room as the first dressing room and the second dressing room on the right-hand side is the home dressing room. The first corridor that we're walking up now is just for the first team on Western League. As we keep walking, we come out past the home dressing room and on the right-hand side is at four official dressing rooms, of which three the three officials for the first team game, three officials for the reserves who could play here on the same day and three officials for the A and B teams that we run on a Saturday. We run four sides. We've also got a spare dress room literally just for ladies. Um, we then walk past the dressing rooms and you come out uh, through the double doors onto the pitch ready, for, ready to participate in a Western League fixture. So we're, we are literally in the tunnel. We are literally in the tunnel now. Um, now, as we go right through the double doors, we've also got four other dressing rooms for the reserve team and through for our A and B teams and for all our youth teams. This corridor is used literally for them. And there's also a disabled toilet with a disabled shower. As for next season, we're looking to run two disability teams at the football club as well. Now, there's no chicanery, is there? All of your changing rooms, they're exactly the same. You haven't got palatial fittings in the home team dressing room and cold water and, and rusty hangers in the away team dressing room. No, all six dressing rooms are exactly the same uh, size and there's n nothing different from the first one to, the, to number six. So they're all exactly the same. Right, we've just gone then through the tunnel area. We're now going up a flight of stairs to the first floor um, of, the, uh, of the Oakfield Stadium. Yeah, I'll take you up at this way. We won't lift. The, we won't use the lift. There is a lift for the elderly and for the disabled. And uh, on this floor, this is something that makes this ground very, very special. So now at the top of the stairs, and on our left, we've got uh, we've got the kitchen. Well, this kitchen is actually bigger than the old Melksham Town Football Club. <laughs> um, by square yards, it's actually bigger. We've got over. Four fridges, and it's an industrial kitchen with a uh, electric hatch where we can obviously do food, uh, taking us out into obviously our function room. 
to see it, you've got to believe it. You certainly have. And it's the, the players' food will be prepared in here. And if you've got functions at the stadium, the food will obviously be prepared in here as well. It is. That is it. We then go on to uh, the corridor where we've got two administration offices. Uh, on the right-hand side, we've got a storeroom. And now we've obviously got the male and female toilets. And then I would say, arguably say... Uh, three of the things that makes this stadium very very special we're now moving it walking into the boardroom and uh, as you can see and it, this is to sum it very very special is uh, we're using it during the week for conferences many companies now are using it for conference meetings we've got 65 inch tv in this room uh, look after 30 to 35 people in there and the views out of where we are on the second floor, the views outside the windows are uh, sensational. Yep, absolutely beautiful views of the Wiltshire countryside and, of course, this, um, this, this excellent facility, which we'll have a look at in a minute. But um, on match days, obviously, when you're going through the important business of running your club, um, the, board room, the board meetings would happen in this room. Um, but on match days, do you also get to use it to entertain sponsors? Well, we use, the sponsors don't actually use this room. This, this room is used for chairmen, secretaries and for the opposition. Uh, officials and the sponsors are use the function room where we've got a little uh, room which we can cordon off for around 20 who have match day meals before the game. Excellent. I'm now taking you out of the boardroom on, onto the terrace which can hold up to 160 to 170 people and on this terrace we're now you can look right across and watch uh, our reserves or our under 18s play in the far corner which is a floodlit pitch which is classified as our second pitch and then leaning over the barriers now which we are we're now leaning over and watching the uh, uh, or seeing the first team pitch the, the pitch is as you can imagine is in fantastic condition we've got over 110 advertising boards around the grounds if the football's that bad on a Saturday, which hopefully it's not, we can go the other side of the terrace and we can watch our neighbours, our rugby club, um, and see all of their rugby pitch with their floodlights and their three rugby pitches. We've also got ten other pitches out the back of this facility for all of our youth, uh, our youth teams. We run 36 youth teams. We run four senior teams one team on a Sunday and four ladies teams and like I said next season we are looking to obviously run uh, two disability teams as well so we had our interview in the bar which is where we're going to which is where we're going to end up um, but um, it's also important to mention that this facility is, is shared by Melksham uh, Rugby Club and they have their bar and their changing facilities in this building but they're separate aren't they they're on the other side of the building yeah they share the actual site they, but I think it's important that people know that they don't actually share our building they're, as you quite rightly said, their bar and their dressing rooms are at the end of the building. The building is absolutely huge, um, but we're, we're totally different identities. It's not that the rugby and football clubs uh, share the same bar because that's, that doesn't happen. But uh, it's just a magnificent area. There's over 268 car parking spaces, which we can see from our position here on the terrace at the moment. Now we've come back through the boardroom to go into... This is the Sky Bar, isn't it? This is the Sky Bar. It's got three 65-inch TVs. It's got a bar 30 yards long. Um, stainless steel with glass mirrors and shelves. When the weather is bad, you can actually watch the game, the whole game, and see the whole pitch through the glass, uh, the glass windows. Uh, it can hold up to 220 people standing and it can seat 150 people for meals uh, or sportsmen's dinners that what we've obviously got coming up very shortly ourselves. The other little thing that we got in the Sky Bar is that there's a double door that goes out onto uh, the stands where, or the seating stands and one thing that Dave Wiltshire was desperate to do was going forward, we obviously hope to host a lot of cup finals here, is he also wanted, instead of being presented the cup or whatever on the pitches, 
is like a mini Wembley. We've got steps coming up one way. We've got a, a big balcony where all the players uh, would receive their trophies and they go down the steps the other way. And uh, we've been very fortunate again by the council that the floodlights are of conference standards. And even halfway up the floodlights, when the floodlights are switched off, there's lighting just for health and safety for people walking on the terraces just so they can see where they're going and everything else. So everything's been catered for us. We have been very fortunate and we've been very lucky. Um, and we're very grateful to the council and the football foundation. Um, but that is more or less um, the facilities at the football club, apart from exactly where we're standing now, Ian. We've also got opposite a 150-seater new stand as well. Um, so there's 150 seats opposite us. How many, um, how many seats are in the stand that we're just on top of at the moment? There's 138. That takes us up to 288 seated. Um, and obviously, as you can see around the grounds, plenty of room to expand and get other seats in wherever we need to if ever we were fortunate enough to go up through the leagues to obviously get to the, the right criteria. But you must be pleased that the first few games here you've had hundreds of people coming to see. I mean, you've probably had quite a few people from around the Western League family. I know I saw a few refugees from Welton Rovers the other day when I came here, but it, it has to be seen to be believed and it is an enjoyable experience. It's an enjoyable day out for anybody who enjoys watching their Western League football. It is, and we are a family. I think you've seen that just obviously with obviously the tragic circumstances with Jamie Mines recently, how everyone's sticks together and comes out in support and anybody um, not just the Western League but anyone in football but especially the Western League they're always more than welcome to come to this new facility, have a look at it speak to the people, myself, to the chairman, the rest of the committee and uh, we're always available to do tours and show them our facilities, we are proud of what we've got and we hope more and more clubs uh, can get the same because it can only benefit football in general and the Western League going forward and my thanks to Darren Perrin there and all of his people involved with Melksham Town Football Club for their hospitality in allowing the podcast access to their incredible new Oakfields facility. Now, we turn our attention, Tom, to Shepton Mallet, who were at home uh, to Odd Down. Yeah, and a stalemate at Shepton. Um, 0-0 between two of the sides who've actually got uh, most draws this season. Or they're up there in the, uh, the top number of sides with draws and that's how it stood no one could no one could break the deadlock unfortunately a nil-nil draw there and another draw this time between Sherbourne Town and Cribs yeah decent result for Sherbourne um, it helps them I mean moves them one point further away from Hallen who obviously suffered defeat uh, and it was Samuel Farthing and Jordan Fletcher scoring for the home side unfortunately um, not sure who was on the, on the on the score sheet for Cribs uh, well, um, we talked about them earlier. Well, City, who had that incredible three-all draw at home to uh, to Melksham, incredible fight back, um, but unfortunately they couldn't uh, they couldn't find a way back against Brislington on Saturday. No, couldn't couldn't back it up, and Brislington claimed a two-nil win away from home, which will be mightily impressive. Uh, Jack Smythe and Mike Rimmer scoring the goals for for the away side. And finally in the Premier Division, uh, Will and Rovers were at home to Gillingham Town. Yeah, Will and moving up to sixth uh, thanks to a 1-0 win over, over Gillingham in front of a decent crowd. Uh, and it was Matty Dawson who scored the only goal of the game there. Boss, we need some supplies for tomorrow. Oh, what's that? It's the helping hand from Toolstation. But it's a... Uh... A hand, yes. It's showing me around the Toolstation website. Nice. Yeah, I've selected paints, cables, sealant and plumbing fittings. I can check up to the minute stock, hit this button, thanks hand, and it's ready to collect in 20 minutes. So get the van. Can't the hand? It can't reach the pedals. Fair enough. Click and collect another helping hand from Toolstation. Your best mate for the job. Now we turn our attention to the um, first division, the Tool Station Western League first division, and uh, the first cab off the rank is Almondsbury Uwe against Carn Town. Almondsbury, uh, just their third league win of the season in an impressive fashion. 3 1 win at home to, to Carn Town. Uh, Ashley Knight scoring twice for the bottom side uh, before Aaron Witchell got a goal back for Cowan. Uh, substitute Tanaka Chigwada made it 3 1, easier said than done. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, unfortunately Ashley Knight missed a chance to, to score a hat-trick for, for Almondsbury uh, seeing his penalty saved by Steve Allison late on who was also uh, sent off uh, towards the end of the fixture for Char- for Carl, sorry. 
Yeah, so Almondsbury there triumphing him in the in the Battle of the Basement. And now we move to Bishop Sutton, who, of course, we've been covering in recent weeks, have been on something of a resurgence, but um, they hit a bit of an obstacle in the shape of Corsham Town. Yeah, and in the shape of Ben Pring, who, uh, who managed to grab a hat-trick for Corsham and, uh, and an impressive 4 nil away win. Uh, Pring scored once before the break and twice after, before laying on the assist for, for Dan Harvey, who wrapped up the, uh, the win three, 14 minutes from time. And now um, Bishop's Lydiard, they were at home to Devizes Town. Yeah, and Bishop's Lydiard, uh, another team to to claim a home win like Almondsbury, and it was a 1-0 win for them uh, with Georgie Painter scoring the, the, the only goal of that game. Now, I described earlier that I felt that um, Warminster's uh, victory against Portishead Town was a bit of a standout. Actually, with six goals, um, the uh, a, another standout fixture in the first division was Chard Town at home to Malmesbury, Victoria. And the standout performance, uh, Brad Miles uh, scoring in the 11th, 12th and 14th minute of that fixture. So a three-minute hat-trick, um, pretty much... Uh, wrapping the game up very early on for, for Chard uh, Steve Fr- Friend then made it 4-0 after 21 minutes as Chard continued their rampant form uh, Sam Parker reduced the arrears uh, before Jack Dicker put the result beyond doubt uh, 8 minutes from time and Chard Chard roll on another really impressive win for them well, we had the Battle of the Basement earlier in the uh, podcast. Now we've got the, the Battle of the Top, Cheddar against Canesham. That second played third and, uh, well, the home side came out on top. Yeah, it went very much with the form book. Uh, Canesham have hit a, a rocky patch recently. Cheddar, not so, and they won 2-0 uh, thanks to goals in the first half from Stuart Lambert. And then late on, Callum Ham uh, scored a penalty following uh, Robbie, Robbie Maggs being fouled in the box and a 2-0 win for Cheddar. Another six-goal thriller, this time played out between Oldland Abertonians and Ashton and Backwell. Yeah, uh, three-all draw. Uh, Oldland probably the happier of the sides, uh, gaining another point in their fight against uh, being dragged into a relegation battle. Ashton probably happily enough uh, where they are right now, but not don't draw many, many, so uh, a disappointing afternoon for them, I would, Im- I would imagine. Um, and uh, Radstock Town's good form continues. Again, Shane Smith was our guest last week on the podcast. They have been in good form, but of course, one of the things that we covered in that interview was the fact that Radstock's recent good form in, se- in recent seasons has been belied sometimes by inconsistency. Certainly that inconsistency at the moment showing no signs with another good win, this time at home to Westbury United. They would have feared the worst at half-time. They're 1-0 down following a Morgan skip on goal. Uh, but Radstock fought back with uh, Tom Gollidge equalising before Jack Whitcomb put them ahead and then Gollidge wrapped the, wrapped the result up late on and a 3-1 home win for, for Radstock. Well, table toppers um, Wellington, they travelled to Roman Glass St George and given Roman Glass's relatively lowly um, position in 14th, I would have thought that uh, this would have been a relatively straightforward victory for the, uh, for the league leaders, but not so. Yeah, and Wellington did go ahead through Conor Bryan after just 20 minutes, but they were unable to hold on uh, and they were hauled back to level terms by Roman Glass St George, uh, who scored in the second half through Jason Burt from the penalty spot. And uh, now that Warminster Town uh, game, Warminster were at home to Portishead and um, enjoyed a very, very good win. Five different goal scorers as well in a 5-0 win for for Warminster. Uh, Dan Jordan, Sam Clift, Kevin Shin, Francois Allen and Joshua Ferguson each getting on the score sheet uh, against Portishead side, um, who are either feast or famine. A couple of weeks ago, a massive win, and then the last two weekends they've uh, suffered at the hands of their opponents and let in five on each occasion, so a disappointing afternoon again for them. And that brings us nicely on to the interview I conducted earlier today with uh, Warminster's manager, Mark Breffitt, and I started by asking Mark for his thoughts on that impressive home victory. Yeah, it was a good game, actually. We, um, we played really well, very um, proactive and on the on the front foot from, from the start, which was very pleasing, and it was nice to see we um, scored early and... Yeah, all the chances we've got, we, we've sort of, we sort of took. So it was, yeah, it was very pleasing. Well, five nil it finished, um, and a contrast from the game um, earlier in the month. Your last home game was a one-all draw at Welton Rovers. I imagine that the chances that you didn't convert that day, um, they all seem to go in on Saturday for you. Yeah, no, it was exactly, um, exactly like that. Um, 
the Welton game we hadn't played three weeks three weeks before whereas Welton played the week before so they came out they're a bit more fresher than us but like it's been most of our season really we, we, we're creating the chances just taking them unfortunately against Welton we didn't we didn't take them we had so many and then against Porter's head we ended up taking the chances so it's sort of finishing has been a bit of a big issue throughout the season really well the, the finishing was um, was very good on Saturday uh, do you want to talk us through the, the, the goals from your perspective as manager was the win was the 5-0 scoreline as comfortable as it looks on paper um, to be honest in the first half we were one up, one up at half time and the second half we, well the first half was, was very close um, we got our noses in front but we come out second half and um, we got the second goal and we um, I think Port's heads went down a little bit because they've won quite a few I think they're 10 unbeaten so I'm not sure they were, they were they've been used lately to, to being a couple of goals down their heads went down our heads well we just gained confidence really and to what we scored three three late goals like within a quarter of an hour to go really so it was a game that was close at the start but we ended up by taking our chances just taking the game away from them now looking ahead to the weekend coming you're away to Ashton and Backwell do you think you can get you can keep your good run of form going uh, away to them they're just above you in the table yeah no I'd like to think so they um they're flying at the moment to be honest as well they're playing really well they're beating beating some good teams um, well I know they've won a lot of games lately so um, 14 wins they've got this season yeah we, we played them at home in midweek which we won 1-0 which the penalty decided it but they're a very good team they have been for the last last few years so um, yeah it's going to be a very tough game especially at their place as well I played there a couple of times and myself for once and haven't won so but we're confident and the lads are gonna believe they can get the three points and hopefully take us up a few more places in the league um, your position currently you're 12th you're in mid-table um, but you've, you have been on a, on a good run of form in the last couple of months um, and there's a certain symmetry to your your statistics um, you've played 29 you've won 11 you've drawn 7 and you've lost 11 but that doesn't really tell the tale of your recent form does it in recent months you've been in good form um, but obviously uh, you got off to a slow start we started poorly um, after 10 games we were second from bottom so I thought we needed to add a, a few players to just give us a bit of a, a bit of a lift really a few players came in and um, since then since after the first 10 games we've been um, we've been in, in all the games really and we have drawn a lot of games but most of them we, we should have had three points I think we should be a lot higher than we than the table suggests which is a perfect introduction to my next question then um, this is your your first um, uh, season of, of management at Warminster where, where do you where, where's your target now for where you think your team can finish come the end of the season even from the start of the season we, we've always said we want to finish on the table um, since we've gone on, on a good run and we've started winning more games more games and beating teams a lot of teams convincingly and obviously missing chance in another game but having the most well most part of the game we um, would like to finish well hopefully try and finish in the top 8 really 8th or ninth, 7th 8th or ninth. that's sort of the target I've set for the players really they're going to get a real test in a couple of weeks' time, aren't they? When they come up against Hengrove Athletic, they're, I mean, a, you know, cup specialists, but they're going well in the in the league, and that will be a really good barometer for you, won't it, to see where your um, where your team are going to, or what frame of mind your team are going to be in come the end of the season. Yeah, well, the next I've told the lads, next few games we've got um, Ashton Backwell, we've got um, Wellington. We've got Hengrove, and then we've got Melksham in the Cup. So the next four games are the hardest they come, really. But that's what the, the lads want to be in. They want to be playing the top teams in the league, and obviously Melksham in the Cup, who are flying in the 
in the in the um, league above. So that's what they want to test the lads do. So hopefully the boys can raise their game and we can get some well pick up some points and have a good display against Melksham as well. Realistically speaking, is that sort of your um, objective then for this season to get it to get a good cut run? That would certainly be exciting for the uh, supporters, particularly if you could claim a famous scalp with your near your near neighbours in Wiltshire, um, Melksham Town. Well, as I said, they've got a fantastic, fantastic team. They've got great quality. Um, it's going to be a, the lads are going to be absolutely buzzing for the game to be honest and obviously Malksham uh, in their fourth in their league um, I think Manor Farm are probably going to probably going to win it so I'm sure Malksham are going to take it really seriously so I think they're going to put a strong side out so it'll be um, as I said it'll be a great test for the lads and it should be a, a good day for the fans as well Well going well in the league and the cup Mark um, but um, with one eye on next season um, what are your ambitions for Warminster Town as a football club well hopefully well, next season we can keep the players we've got maybe add a couple in a few areas just to, to strengthen the squad and there's no reason why we can't be looking at the top six next year if we carry on the way we're playing every game you've got to turn up most of it in the league everyone's everyone's beating everyone so a bit of consistency turning them draws into wins and then we'll be well hopefully aiming for the top six and my thanks to Mark Griffith for his his time now, um, moving on, uh, Welton Rovers against Hengrove. Of course, we've been talking about Hengrove's good form in uh, in recent weeks, but Welton Rovers still doing all they can to turn around their difficult season. But um, unfortunately, the win's just not coming their way. No, and Hengrove, as you say, Welton fought very hard and Hengrove had to do well to come from behind to win this one. They're probably not quite getting the... Uh, the uh, the press that the the top three are in the division, but they're very much on their coattails. And with a game in hand, uh, this win can really help them uh, on their way. And they they could even catch the top three the way things are going. Um, Welton went ahead quite early on through Aaron Sevier before Hengrove uh, were level through Jack Fillingham. Uh, before then, Welton regained the lead just before half time through Shaquille Green. Uh, but uh, Hengrove had the better of the second half and after Lewis Dunn had equalised uh, Fillingham uh, scored his second of the match five minutes from time uh, to claim the really impressive win for Hengrove and finally in the first division Wincanton Town at home to Chippenham Park Chippenham Park uh, probably confirmed their place in the first division with this win uh, Good, good result for them and uh, goals from Harry Miles and Aaron Legister helping them to a, a solid away win so at this point, normally, Tom, we uh, we uh, we we have a bit of a run over the uh, the league table. We will do, but um, rather inspired by my surroundings here at the Ram, I think it's time for us to sort of to, to launch a new feature of the uh, of the Western League podcast, which I'm sure will become a, um, a a regular feature. And what we want to do is basically just have a look at the week coming up um, on um, on Valentine's Day. We've got quite a few fixtures in the league. Um, Bridport are at home to Gillingham, and in the first division, we've got Malmesbury Victoria at home to Ashton and Backwell, Welton Rovers at home to Devizes, Westbury at home to Portishead and we've got some Les Phillips action between Brislington and Bradford Town. Um, any standout fixtures for you in uh, in, uh, in that collection? I mean the last first round cup tie to be completed in the Les Phillips Cup between Brislington and Bradford should be a good one. Two teams who picked up wins last weekend I believe. So, so, so on Wednesday we've got Cadbury Heath against Cleveland Town both, both sides there who uh, lost on Saturday so they'll be looking to uh, they'll be looking to get back to winning ways and uh, and then on Friday we've got some action in the first division Corsham Town at home to Carn. there's a there's a Wiltshire derby and uh, Canesham Town they'll be looking to get back to winning ways against um, Bishop Sutton who uh, were doing well but uh, um, they, they, they could do with a win as well but probably not as much as, as Canesham now we we, uh, we rattle through the fixtures for um, Saturday um, Bradford at home to Hallen in the Premier Division Brislington against Bitten Cadbury Heath at home to Bridport Gillingham against Chipping Town no Gillingham Town against Chipping Sodbury Town Longwell Green Sports at home to Willen Rovers Melksham are at home to Shepton Mallet Odd Down to Wells City Sherbourne Town to Clevedon Town and I don't think I need to ask you Tom which the standout fixture is here Street against uh, Bristol Manor Farm 
this might be Bristol Manor Farm's toughest task before the end of the season. If they can win here, you probably hand them the title on the spot. Uh, Street, second place, both in absolutely fantastic form. That's the game to be out this weekend. And also I'm looking forward to seeing how Shepton Malik cope uh, going to the Oakfields against a rampant Melksham. Well, looking into the uh, first division, um, Ormondsbury have an opportunity to continue their resurgence against Wincanton Town there at home. Ashton and Backwell at home to Warminster. Bishops Lydiard at home to Chardtown. Chippenham, Chippenham Park entertain Welton Rovers. Devizes Town against Roman Glass St George. Malmesbury Victoria at home to Westbury. Portishead at home to Cheddar. Radstock entertain High Flying Hengrove. Wellington against Oldland Abertonians. My my pick of the matches there is Radstock against Hengrove, but I have to. Um, my fondness for the Miners, I probably should declare that as an interest. Any other games there in the first division that tickle your fancy? I mean, that would probably be the standout game, but you've got. Uh, Cheddar facing a Portershead side who are obviously laying in goals at will at the moment so that'll be interesting to see how they go and then Wellington uh, having dropped points this Saturday uh, will need to get back to winning ways against Oldland now the standout fixture probably for the entire weekend which is something to say because of course we've got some really um, good looking matches but fortunately the fixture gods have been kind to us they've put the game on Sunday so if you are a follower of the Western League uh, then um, you've got an opportunity to see whether um, Western League's Premier Division side Buckland Athletic um, can go one better than Bristol Manor Farm and defeat Bromsgrove Sporting in the FA VAR 6th round it's a massive tie for Buckland isn't it Tom? It is um don't need explaining how big this is for the club and uh, for the fans. Absolutely right, and that's why later this week you will be hearing from Ellis Late, the Buckland Athletic Manager. But well, from us here in the Ram, um, very convivial atmosphere. We've, um, we've, I think, at one point we were even joined by the locals, which was um, which was different. Um, but uh, yes, well, it's from us. It's been another Toolstation Western League podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. And um, we will, well, actually, of course, we need to finish this in the time on a tradition, which is by asking Tom, you've, you've submitted your copy to the non league paper. Can the, uh, can the listeners um, find you in all good bookshops? Of course, of course. Step five uh, section of the non league paper this week. And obviously, my work will be in the bulletin as well, which is uh, on the website. Excellent stuff. Now, for all of those teams that we were, I know we mentioned Longwell Green earlier, We for those people who want to get in touch with us, um, they can contact us on Twitter, can't they? I did give it out earlier, but we'll give it out again. I'm at Ian Knockholds, that's I-A-N-N-O-C-K-O-L-D-S. And how can they get hold of you, Tom? Yeah, at Hiscott, which is H-I-S-C-O-T-T. That's on Twitter. Right, then, well, we're going to go and have another tomato juice. And, uh, uh, well, from us here in the uh, in the Ram, it's been uh, episode nine of the Tool Station Western League podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. What a week of football. What a weekend of football we've got coming up. We'll be reflecting on that next week. Business as usual, of course. But from us, it's uh, it's another, it's been the end of another great podcast. Mm-hmm.